All right. Well, welcome to Church on the Hill. That's my wife, Elizabeth. I'm Pastor Paul. We're so glad you're here. God is so good. I just, uh, I'm just so thankful that you guys will just dance with us and worship with us and shout and jump and get loud and get, get, get our uh, Jesus on. Amen. Amen. That's what they're doing in that water. They're getting their Jesus on and getting their, getting themselves off and getting Jesus on. And, and uh, I just encourage you, let your guard down. Let him in. Let Jesus in. Um, I believe that the first baptism week, four weeks ago, was the week that uh, we just had that repentance Sunday. I believe. And God has really been moving. And, you know, there was a family that, that got saved uh, that morning. And, and that's, that's who we're still waiting to be baptized. And, and just Satan just tries to, tries, to, tries to shut us down. And I want to encourage you, church, pray that the work of Satan will not have its way. No, the word that was given by Denise Grizzard, I don't know if Denise is here this morning, but I still remember it. No weapon formed against you will prosper. But every tongue that rises up against you will be defeated. And I just stand on that. And I just ask you, church, that the lost would find their way into the church, whether it's church on the hill or wherever, the church of Jesus Christ, and that the lost would be saved. Amen? Can I just pray that before I bring up, bring up our, uh, our special guest this morning? Father, in Jesus' name, we just war right now for the lost. And Lord, it's not enough for us to just come in here and pray. We need to go fishing. We're supposed to get out of here and we're supposed to go fishing. Lord, help us to, to catch fish. Your word tells us that you're going to make us fishermen, fishers of men. And Lord, there are friends and family and people out there that are going to hell, that have no hope in their life. And Lord, your word says that you're going to use us to reach them, that that's part of our calling is for us to go out and to reach these nations. Lord, in Jesus' name, let, the, let the, these lost people be identified in our lives, Lord, and let us bring them in to your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we have got such a treat for you today. Um, we have been supporting uh, Care Ministries, I believe, for about, maybe about 10 years. I know it was while Pastor Matt was here. Um, and we have made, we, we support them on a monthly basis. We support them in prayer. But I want you to know they support Church on the Hill. Pastor Peter and his team are regularly praying for us, regularly communicating with me to find out what our needs are, and boy, they can pray. They, they are seeing miracles. They are, they are, they, again, we've been supporting an orphanage. We've been supporting a school. We've been supporting building of churches. We got to build, be a part of building a church. It's in Jogo, just outside of Kampala, that I actually got to preach in their first Sunday. And since then, they've just opened up a new school in Jogo. Those of you that went with me where we did VBS in that church that night, that's where the school is. We did church at night with one light bulb, I think. It was dark. Um, all these kids came from everywhere, and we just had one little night of VBS where we just uh, kind of put some activities together and the children participated. But I'm so thankful for what's going on in their life and the connection that our church has had with Care Ministry. So without further ado, would you guys please welcome Pastor Peter and Phoebe Sozi. Praise the Lord. When I say praise the Lord, you say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, we are so, so blessed. We are so thrilled. Every time we come here, it's such a wonderful treat for us. And uh, we love Church on the Hill. We love Pastor Paul and Elizabeth. We love Paul and Sarah. They are wonderful hosts. It's always a great blessing. When we come to Cookville, we feel we are at home. And thank you so much. It's been a wonderful time. It's been a while since we were here, but the Lord is on the throne and God is doing great works. Just witnessing baptism for us is a great treat and we give God the glory. Hallelujah. Uh, we thank God for what he's doing in this place. We could almost just feel the presence of God in this place. 
We walked in here, we are seeing faces, we are seeing people, and we feel so thrilled, and we thank God for that. Amen. We bring greetings from Uganda, uh, the ministry, pastors, uh, we, are, we are part of a whole big uh, family in Uganda. We have many pastors that we work with, and we work with many children and families, and they all send their love and their greetings. And like Pastor Paul said, we are praying for Church on the Hill, and we are believing that every good thing that God has planned and purposed for this church and for the members of this church and for the community will come to fruition in a great season that is coming in. Amen. I want to take this opportunity of welcoming my wife to say hello to you and also share what is on her heart. We love you and we pray for you and we are very, very proud of you. Thank you so much for being in this part of the world. And um, our relationship and partnership has been so, so sweet. Thank you, Pastor Paul. Thank you, the entire team. It's, uh, it makes us love God the more. It makes us feel his presence the more. It makes us have a story to tell others. It makes us, you know, believe every scripture and every word that the Lord has written for us. Thank you so much. Our partnership has been a success story. We just obeyed, and uh, we didn't know what the Lord had for us. We didn't know he had people like you in America to connect with us. We didn't know what, how it was going to be. But through our partnership, we see hope coming to the hopeless. We see people who do not know Christ, know Christ. The church Pastor Paul talked about, we just uh, built it in a Muslim community, and we see people people's hearts breaking down, come to know Christ. We see children transforming communities, and we just come here to bring back good news, to tell you that what you are doing in the, the rest of the parts of the world, it's working, it's real, it's uh, tangible, you can feel it, you can breathe it, and it's giving life. Thank you so much for being streams of rivers flowing all over. Um, this morning I was talking to Sarah, Pastor Paul's mom, and we were remembering good memories about her mom. Uh, Pastor Paul just lost your grandmother. I know he told you this. And uh, we were blessed by that family. That's how we got to know uh, Paul and Sarah, senior and Paul and his family. But when we came in, they just brought, they, they welcomed us in. And they saw the seed. We had gone to uh, the poorest community that had died with AIDS, that there was hopeless. And they joined hands with us. And we were remembering this morning how someone sows a seed that outlives you. That even when she passed on last Sunday, the seeds that he's, they've sown in Uganda are going to outlive us, outlive their history, outlive everything. And we're thanking God, we're saying, I wish all of us could understand this. That a seed that you sow is going to outlive you. Not only just outliving you, but many lives are going to feed on it. Many lives are going to have hope. Many lives are going to see real God working in their lives. We want to thank God so much. It's been a sweet spirit. It's been a sweet walk. It's been a sweet journey where it would not have been possible. It's been possible. And like Jesus says, that the least you did to your brother, you did it to me. Thank you so much. You've been a wonderful, wonderful uh, church to work with. And we pray for you. We love you from the bottom of our hearts. We've told everybody who has never come here, they, they live like they are here. They will pray for this church. They will pray for this community. We pray that the spirit of God will move. The spirit of revival will move. We will not just be a church, but we just, you know, live church and uh, revival coming through that when Jesus is walking around, he will not just find quiet people. He will not find people who are looking at him like, where are you from? He will move and find people's hearts very ready for him so that we can do greater exploits. 
We have a wonderful story. Thank you, partners who have been sponsoring children. The children you're sponsoring are transformed. They are really transformed. And uh, we've enjoyed seeing these children breaking the cycle of, uh, you know, generations of poverty, generations of not knowing God, generations of living just at random, generations of living with no hope, with not even understanding who is that God above. But because of the partnership, We've taught them about God. We've told them he's a real God. And we see the cycle of non-believing breaking. We see children understand. They, we see them going in the communities, song, sing just small songs, little songs. Just I love you, Jesus. And we see those songs transforming communities. Thank you so much once again. At the end of his sermony, there will be a DVD you watch. And please feel grateful that you're part of that. And um, we always have work for you if you really want to come and work with us. There is a, a table that uh, Pastor Paul and Elizabeth gave to us. Every time we come, we lay some work there for you. If you want to mother child, to father child, to transform a life, to have a connection, please, you're welcome after service. There will be pictures. Behind the pictures, there are stories. If it's a story that the Holy Spirit is connecting you with, you're welcome. And we love you and we always love you. God bless you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Shall we pray? Father, we are grateful, grateful, very grateful that you have loved us that you have invited us to be part of your great family. We really appreciate you for allowing us to be part of this family here on Church on the Hill and they be part, being part of us in Uganda, thousands of miles away. Father, it's been a wonderful, wonderful relationship. It's been a relationship that has borne a lot of fruit and for that we give you all the praise and the glory. We do acknowledge it's not by might, neither by power, but by your spirit. So we invite you now. May you speak to us, help us understand what you would have us understand. That Lord will leave this place a changed people, inspired people, fired up to go and be the light of the world. Father, we glorify you, for it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Again, we are privileged to be here this morning. Some of you, I realize many of you are new, and uh, you're wondering where are these people from. Some were asking us, do you live in America? We don't live in America. We live in Africa and in a country called Uganda. It is right deep uh, in East Africa, uh, below the Sudan, the big country, and then it's on the east of the Congo, which is another big country. It is to the west of Kenya and to the north of Tanzania. If you look on the map of the world, you see that very tiny country, almost the size of Oregon, that lies across the equator. But it is a very beautiful country. And I do invite you to come and, and visit. I've been talking to Pastor Paul and uh, Elizabeth. Uh, I'm praying. Will you join with me to pray for Pastor Paul and Elizabeth to come and visit us again? And while you pray, you'll pray for yourself to join them as they come. So we are looking forward to having them back. They've been such a blessing to us. Uganda as a country has had a lot of challenges. Uh, we were a British colony, gained independence in 1962. Uh, from then on, we, we did not worship God. We did not acknowledge God. We compromised our relationship with God and served other gods. And we saw a consequence of that, that we went through a lot of political turmoil. And uh, we had one of the worst dictators that history has produced called Idi Amin. And uh, during his regime, uh, you know, the church was persecuted. Christianity was fought against because we had this heritage of having been colonized by the British who brought us the gospel. So Idi Amin, with the help of Muammar Gaddafi, actually but with the inspiration of Muammar Gaddafi, tried to make Uganda a Muslim nation. And uh, he told him, I'll give you all the resources it takes to transform this nation to be an, an unbelieving nation, to be a nation that believes in Allah. And he went about doing that. He was aggressive. He persecuted the church, killed Christians, closed down churches, 
A lot of things happened during his regime. But I want to tell you during that time, it's when the church grew stronger and stronger. And I want to tell you, like in the Bible times, when persecution hits the church, it's the time for the church to grow stronger. Amen? You know, it is either pray or perish. And uh, that's exactly what happened to us in Uganda. We realized that there is really a place you can go for, to and find help, and that is through prayer. And when we prayed in 1979, Idi Amin was ousted. But little did we know that we were far from getting where we needed to be. And in came another dictator who was twice as worse as Idi Amin. This was called Milton Obote. And during his regime, still, we were so much persecuted. The church was so much persecuted. Uh, to the extent that, you know, still churches were killed. There were villages that were wiped out. And still the church grew stronger in prayer because we had prayed all these many years. The good thing about prayer, how many of us want to learn how to pray or learn to pray? The good thing with the prayer, you learn prayer through praying. Amen. You learn prayer through? You can never learn prayer just like you go to the blackboard and they teach you about prayer. No, it doesn't happen. You learn prayer through praying. So as we prayed and prayed, we realized that we needed to continue to pray. And God taught us to pray. And uh, by and by, still this dictatorship went and in came uh, AIDS. AIDS was 10 times worse than all the dictatorship. But by now, we had picked up momentum. The good thing about prayer, once you start and you continue and you continue, you end up picking up momentum that is able to take you into that place where God wants you to be. And that's what happened. And I want to tell you, AIDS was something real. It was real. You lost your brother, you lost your sister, I lost my brother, I lost my sister, she lost her brother, she lost her sister, and all families were just likewise affected. And we reached a point where we had a 30% AIDS prevalence. And you know what? We would walk on the streets and would say, is it you next or is it me next? Churches had to be open. Just imagine, churches were open 24 hours because there was a, a, an urgent need to pray. The country we proclaimed on the radio, on the media, all God's people, it's time for us to pray. Fasts were proclaimed. I remember we, we had a 40-day fast where we said this time we are going to humble ourselves like in the Bible times and pray. In 2 Corinthians, it says, if my people that are called after my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn away from their wicked ways, so will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. And we realized that we needed to pray. It was either pray or perish. It was a desperate moment. Desperate. And I want to tell you, when desperate times hit any community and any nation, desperate prayers go up. That's why we say, Maybe we better change that. We better not wait for desperate times to pray. Amen. And so when we prayed, God answered. God is a good God. He answered us. After a few years, we had the AIDS prevalence fall down from 30% to 6%. And we gathered in the stadium in 1999, July, uh, December 31st, for two things. In an all-night prayer meeting in the, our national, the one largest national stadium, were 100,000 believers. There was not a space. And you know, we gathered in that place to do two things. One, to celebrate that God had heard our prayer, that we had not perished, but he had healed our land. It had fallen from 30% to 6%. And now, we also had the opportunity. We had our president join us at the midnight hour to join us in prayer together with cabinet ministers. And he, we had the opportunity to dedicate our country to serve the purposes of God for the next 1,000 years. Amen. So we said to America when we come, we still want to encourage you. What has happened in Uganda can happen here. Amen. The destiny, your destiny, the destiny of our communities, the destiny of the nation is not in the hands of the politicians. It's not in the hands of any man. It is in the hands of the church. Amen? Jesus told his disciples, I will give unto you, in Matthew chapter 16 and verse around 16 and 17, he asked them, what do people say I am? And they told him, you are, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're, you're Elijah, some say you know you're another prophet. But then he was interested in asking them, who do you say that I am? 
Who do you say that I am? And Peter, who was the quickest of them, who was one who spoke quickly, said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh has not revealed this to you, but the spirit of God, the father has revealed this to you. Amen. And I want to tell you, my message this morning was to tell and encourage us as a church, we need to know God. We don't need to know about God. We need to know God. Amen. Knowing God is what makes a difference in any man's life. Knowing is not just a matter of knowing about. Knowing goes deeper. When you know something, when you know that you know that you know that you know that you know, it's what makes a difference in your life. Amen. In the fall in the book of Genesis, I was reading this. And I realized that the devil came and tempted Adam and Eve. And he asked them, did not God say that if you eat of the fruit? He knew that when you eat of the fruit, you'll know the good and the evil. So he diverted man and told him, it's all about knowing good and evil. God had created Adam and Eve. He has created us that we may know him. But here he was, Adam and Eve were diverted. They began to desire to know about good and evil. But they had missed out the point. And I, I felt in my spirit, God is challenging us that in our day, we need to know people that do not know about God, but do know God. Jesus had spent many years. He was coming to the close of his ministry. But he desired to know these disciples who had seen him heal the sick, who had seen him uh, give food to the 5,000 and the 3,000. They had witnessed all this. And they asked, he asked them, who do you think I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are Jesus, the son of the living God. Jesus is the son of the living God. I am here to challenge you. Who do you say Jesus is in your life? Who is Jesus? Do you know him or you know about him? When you know about him, you'll behave the way you want. You live life according to the way you want, not the way he would have you behave. And that is a challenge that is affecting the entire body of Christ in this world today. That we have many thousands of people today, we are celebrating that our country has undergone revival. But you know what? The challenge we have now is that we have many Christians, but who are just an inch deep. We are a mile wide, wide, but we are just an inch deep. We are just, we are just satisfied with coming to church on Sunday. Oh, my father went to church. I was raised as a Christian. I'm telling you, what is going to make a difference in our nation and in our communities are people that really, really know their God. Hallelujah. People that know their God and walk with him. They carry him wherever they go. They do not come to find him in church. People who know their God. People who know their God. Do you know your God? Do you know your God? I'm asking you. Is Jesus just another religion? One of the biggest strategies that the evil, the evil one has tried to put on the church is for us just to live religiously. To be religious, it is the greatest enemy of the church. And that has denied us the opportunity to get everything that God has for us. The fullness of his spirit that he has for us. When we become religious, we cut all that off. But I want to tell you when we know God, when we walk with God, we begin to take in the fullness of all that he has, has for us, the fullness of all that he has purposed for us. We begin to become a river that flows from the sanctuary that is talked about in Ezekiel 47. That, that river flows from the sanctuary and everywhere it goes, it brings life. That when you know your God, you won't even have to tell someone about Christ. 
I know we tell, it's our responsibility to tell people about Christ. But I want to tell you, it is our responsibility to tell people about Christ using words if necessary. God desires to fill us that we may begin to overflow. When people come around you, they just feel the presence of God. They just feel the peace of God. They just feel the power of God. You don't have to explain it with words. As a church, as individuals, I tell you, I don't know about you. Every time I come into my prayer closet, I say, God, I want this life. This life is not mine. It belongs to you. Just fill it. Let it be used for your glory. May myself seize that you, Christ, will increase. We need to come to that place. Amen. Daniel eleven thirty two says, With flattery he will corrupt those who have violated the covenant, but the people who know they are God will firmly resist him. In the King James Version it says, The people that know they are God, they shall be strong, and they shall do great exploits. The key thing that we pray, and we pray for you as a church, that we pray for America, the key for transformation in America is not outside the church, it's within the church. It's within the individuals in the church. My dear friend, if you have been looking at America and looking at the politicians and beginning to say they are not doing their job, I want you to rethink about it. Maybe it's not you who is not doing your job. And it's easy. Amen. It is easy. It is not hard at all. All we, are, all we are encouraged to do is to abide. Abide in me. Tell me, does the branch have the responsibility of bearing fruit? Yes. All it, the responsibility the branch has is just to abide in the vine. Just abide in me. Let me flow through you. Let me fill you with the things that I have. The branch, all it has to do is to just stay in the vine. And then the nourishment will begin to flow into the branch and the branch will automatically begin to bear forth fruit. And that's where we need to be as believers, as saints, as people that come to church, as people that call themselves Christians. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you still my friends? Pastor Paul, I'm going to preach and go. So it will be your problem, okay? You won't have anyone to stone. Please don't stand, Pastor Paul. It's me who said it, okay? But this is what we tell even the people in Uganda. Praise the Lord. In Uganda today, we have witnessed a lot of things happening. But you know, at the same time, we are challenged. We have these Muslims come to church everywhere. Everywhere you go in our country, there's a place where we, the Lord has sent us in the northern part of Uganda. You don't have to do anything. You just have to stand there and preach about Jesus. And people just come to the Lord. They become believers. Communities that do not have a place they call church. They don't have anywhere they can go. And we encourage you, please, would you pray for us? Because the work in, the, in that part of the country is really overwhelming. We need to raise up leaders to disciple these people. There are 50,000, there are hundreds of thousands of people that are there that are just receiving the gospel, but they don't have anyone to mentor them. They don't have anyone to disciple them. But yet down in the south in the country, we have thousands and thousands, millions actually of Christians. So our challenge is to go out and to be able to share with them and to disciple them that they may follow Christ, that they may get the depth rather than have being a mile wide and not having the depth. So our challenge and encouragement to you this morning, would you consider to know Christ? I want us to read Philippians chapter 3 and we see what Paul says. This was the prayer that he prayed and it's my prayer that you will pray too this morning. Philippians chapter 3, a man that we know that had special revelation. He went into the third and to the fourth heavens. And this is what he had to say 
in chapter 3, verse 10. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. Paul, the great apostle of faith, here he was, he was making a confession. He was saying, where I am, I am not satisfied. My brethren, I'm here to challenge you. I'm here to stir you up. Be not satisfied where you are. There is more. There is more. Tell your neighbor there is more. There is more. There is something more. I don't know about you, but I believe there is something more. Paul said, I desire that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. I know him just a little bit. I am striving that I may know him, that I may grow deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. That all that he has for me will be in me and will begin to overflow to all those around me. There is more. There is more, my dear friend. Become dissatisfied. My prayer is, Jesus, will you dissatisfy the members of Church on the Hill? May they become dissatisfied with where they are. And let them begin to crave for more. Let them begin to seek for more. Let them begin to desire to see you and to know you intimately. That that will consume you. It will consume every fiber of your being. As a young man, there are many young people here to, today. As a young person, you begin to seek after him. You begin to desire to pursue him. You begin to know him as a young man. Because I want to encourage you, the young people that are here, you are part of the generation that God wants to use to transform the future of this nation. Hallelujah. He said, I desire that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Ephesians chapter 1, this is the prayer still Paul says, praise. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith, chapter 1 verse 15, about your faith in the Lord Jesus and for your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Hallelujah. So that you may know him better. So that you may know him better. That's the prayer I'm here to pray for you. That the members of Church on the Hill may begin to know God will release unto the spirit of wisdom. That God will begin to release, unveil himself to you. But let me tell you, God unveils himself to those that seek him. Amen? That's why he says, seek, seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Praise the name of the Lord. My prayer is that you will be a seeker. My prayer is that you will be that man that will get to know the Lord Jesus Christ better. And as you know him better, no one will stand here and tell you, preach the gospel. No one will here tell you here, begin to pray. When you know him better, things begin to flow through you. You want way to be called to intercede. You want to go out there in the community and begin to be, be, be angry with the people around you. Be angry with the leaders. Be angry with the teachers. Be angry with all those around you. Being aggravated. No. You'll be someone that will know Christ and will begin to look at things from the perspective of Jesus Christ. Amen. What does Ephesians 3 verse 14 and 20 say? For this reason, this is still Paul praying. This was a lot of prayer he prayed. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom all this family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit on your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know his, this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled, listen, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. 
There is a feeling. Amen. There is a feeling that God desires for us to get to. That you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. And when that, it's not a destination. It is a process. Amen. It is a it's not a destination, but it is a process. Here he says that I pray so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowing that love, Jesus' love, knowing that love that surpasses knowledge. Amen. Amen. We need more. There is more for you on the cross. There is more for you in God. There is more for you in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One of the things that the biggest tragedy that can happen to us is just to become satisfied. And just be contented. Oh, I'm a Christian. I go to church on Sunday. Even Wednesday, I try to go to church. I'm telling you, God, Christ did not die on the cross for you just to come to church. He died for him to come in you and fill your life and set you free and that you may be free indeed. Amen. I desire and my prayer is for you that you may know him, that you may know him, that you may know him, that you may know him. He has different facets. He's a God of all facets. He's, a, he's God our Savior. He's God our healer. He's God our comforter. He's God our redeemer. He's God our deliverer. You need to know him in the fullness of all that he is. Paul knew that he could not know, he did not know God enough. You can never know God enough. All we need to do is to strive to know him better and better each and every day. As we come into his presence, I've shared this before. That five things that God helped us to see revival in our country. The most and most powerful thing was for people to know how to come into fellowship and communion with Christ on an individual basis. Personal prayer life. There are five levels of prayer. Personal prayer life was very critical. My friend, you need to know how to pray and not to be prayed for only. Hello? You need to know to pray. To have that intimacy with Jesus. Every breath that you have, every hour that you have, every moment you are awake, you're able to know that this, is a, this can be a time of prayer. Where under your breath, you're busy praying. In the way you're doing your different assignments, you're in school, you're doing your work, you can pray. It's not a place. It's not a location. It's not with people. It's you alone, you and God. Say me and God. I didn't hear you, me and God. When you and God commune, you come before the altar and you say, God, here I am. I am alone. I, Peter, am before you. I want to know you. I want more of what you have for me. I want to be like you. I want you to fill my life. There is a reason why you created me. There is a reason why you have saved me. Lord, I want to know that reason. I want to follow you through. I want this life of flesh, the few years that you're giving me in this world today, that I may use them, that I may live for you, that I may not live for me. Living for me is a waste. There is no satisfaction. There is no fulfillment. But when I live for you, Jesus, when I live for you, when I allow you to reign in my life, when I begin to breathe, when I begin to think the way you have me think, oh, Lord, that's what I desire. I want to be in that place where you would want me to be. I want to be the man or the woman that you would want me to be. You come into that closet and have that time with your God. You do not have to wait to come here to the altar. Thank God for the altar. But I want to tell you, it grows deeper and deeper while you are out there. And when you come to the church, it is a celebration of his presence. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor there is more. There is more for you. There is more for you. 
I remember the Pharaoh was telling the children of Israel when Moses confronted him, he said, I want, I want you to let my people go that they may worship their God. And Pharaoh told Moses, I don't know this God. I really don't know him. And true enough, he didn't know him. But I want to tell you, as Moses confronted Pharaoh, by the time the children of Israel left Egypt, Pharaoh had known God. Pharaoh had come to know God. We cannot make God known until we know him. Throwing a challenge back to you. People are not believing in America because we have not known this God enough. Because if we knew him enough, if he filled our lives and was overflowing, there would not be any reason for anyone to stay in the darkness. People are in the darkness because they don't know any better. It's time the church began to awaken and began to know God and to be filled with the Spirit of God. And they'll begin to overflow. And then the people in the world will begin to desire, oh, wow, we need to be like you. We want to know the God that you are serving. Daniel stood in his time and he transformed an entire nation. People that have taken their stand, Elijah, he stood in his time. He knew his God. He knew the times and the season. And he stood in his time and he challenged the prophets of Baal. He challenged Israel. For how long will you weaver between two opinions? And I'm saying we are in a season here in America. In Africa, when people are weavering between two opinions, the time has come for the Elijahs of this season to awaken that they may show forth the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That the world will know that there is a God who answers by fire. Elijah knew his God and he said, my God will answer by fire. Challenge them, let us go to Mount Carmel. And there he told them, today is the day that God is going to be revealed to the nation of Israel. And there shall be no more time of worshipping Baal. The time of Baal is over. The time of worshiping other gods is over if the church will dare to know God and rise up to the occasion. Our communities want to see Jesus. They want to know Jesus. But it is you. Jesus says, you are the light. Jesus says, you are the salt. So if the light is not shining, then the people remain in the darkness. But when the light shines, the darkness has to flee. The darkness has no Darkness has no power. If they turned off these lights now, would be in darkness. But one light here is enough to light up this whole place. So that's our role. Me and you. I'm not pointing at you. I'm pointing at you and this one is pointing at me. You and me have the responsibility to stand and shine that Christ People may come from the darkness and come into the light of Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to just pray with you. I know my time is gone. America, you, this is 11.50. How much more time do I have? Thank you. The time has come for us to really be the light. You know, when you read Ephesians chapter 5, Jesus talks about the church. He says, I, I want, I'm, I'm preparing my church to be a radiant church. Chapter 5 and verse 27. That I want to prepare my church to be a radiant church without blemish, without spot. That is Jesus saying. The Bible says he's coming back to take to himself a glorious church. What is that glorious church? The glorious church must be a glowing church. Amen. A glowing, could you say glowing Must be a glowing church. There are five Gs. Must be a glowing church. Must be a growing church. Amen. Will you remember those five Gs? Say five Gs. One, a glowing church 
you are the light of the world. A growing church, he wants us to grow to the full measure of being and reflecting Christ. That you may grow into the full stage of Christ. So we must be growing. Your coming here is for you to grow. And after you've grown, you really must have an impact in your community. Amen. You must have an impact. Your life has got to, to really be spent to make a difference. That's why we are created. We are here, friends, to make a difference. We are here to be formed, to be more like Christ, that we may make a difference. Growing is, the long, is the, one of the biggest things that we need to experience in a church. Amen? We need to cultivate the habits that will help us grow. We need to learn how to have a secret time of prayer with God. We need to learn to give time to God's word. We need to know, to understand the concept of tithing and giving unto the Lord. We need to understand the different habits that will help us and groom us to grow as a believer. Amen? That is the church that Christ is coming back. The third G is a giving church. We must learn to give. We receive that we may give. It is a cycle. We receive from God. Where do we receive from? From God. That we may give, that he may give us more. That's the cycle, the cycle of God's purpose and plan for the church. Amen. Now those are three G's. Number four, a going church. Jesus gave the mandate to the church in Matthew chapter 28. When he was going up in heaven, he said, all power and authority has been given to me. Go make disciples of all nations. Disciples, making disciples. Making is something that you have to give, commit to doing. It's not something that happens automatically. It's something that has to happen. Making disciples of all nations. Making disciples. So as a church, we need to learn to go. And on that note, I'm saying, it's time for you to come to Uganda. You don't have to come to Uganda. If you come to Uganda, praise the Lord. But you can go somewhere. Amen? Just go somewhere. Go somewhere. Do something. Amen? How many G's are those? The fifth one, we must be a groaning church. Groaning, groaning. A what? A groaning church. The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 22 verse 30, I sought for a man who would stand in the gap on behalf of the land, that I may not destroy it. So we need to be the groaning church that will look at the nation and begin to cry out to God and say, God, spare, have mercy upon us. We have sinned against you as a nation. We have committed wickedness as a nation. Lord, we have turned our backs to you as a nation. Please have mercy. Five Gs. Amen. I want us to pray. Let us stand up and pray. I've shared the five Gs, a giving church, a groaning church, a growing church, a glowing church. I know you may be here. Let's bow our heads. You may be here and surely you feel you need something more. You need more. You need more of God in your life. You are dissatisfied with where you are. You may be here and you feel satisfied. It's my prayer. I'm going to pray for you that God will dissatisfy you. That you may seek him more. Because he has more for you. Where you are is not the, where he has desired for you to be. He wants you to get more and more. He wants you to come closer and closer. He wants you to seek him. He wants himself to flow and fill your life. That you begin to overflow. That all those around you, without words, will begin to testify. There is something special about your life. You may be here and maybe you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. This will be your moment. Please, 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 please don't leave this place without accepting Christ. You may be here and maybe you, you had known Christ at some point in your life, but you have wandered away from him. This is your moment to come back to him. For his arms are wide open. He's ready to receive you and embrace you. 
Like the prodigal son, the father opened his hands and he embraced him and he said, you are my son. Welcome home. This will be the moment for you. Father, in all those categories I have presented, I pray that, Lord, you will come down and fill your people. Father, I pray that you begin to stir up our hearts. You begin to stir up our hearts with that which stirs up your heart, O God. May you break our hearts with that which breaks yours, O King of glory. Father, it's my prayer, O God, for my friends, my brothers and my sisters here, Lord. May you bring them from that place, O God, of satisfaction. Oh God, and bring them to the place of dissatisfaction. That Lord, you may draw them closer and closer to yourself. That you may fill them with your Holy Spirit, oh God. Lord, I pray for one maybe who is here that has never accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior. Lord, it's my prayer that you, he will not go back, Lord, the way he came. It's my prayer that he will accept you today. He will come here and say yes to you and that you may fill him, that a new life will begin in his life, Lord. Father, I pray there may be someone here who's hurting in their body. Lord, we know you to be the Lord who heals us. I pray that you may heal every broken body. You may restore every painful body in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for the entire church. May you bring us to that place of desiring, craving, hungering, crying out for revival, Lord. That you may revive us, O oh God. That you may revive us again, O oh King of glory. That you revive us, Lord. You revive us, O oh God. You revive us, O oh God. Father, that we'll begin to cry out to you. For revival in our hearts. That as we cry out for revival in our lives, O oh God. We'll begin to cry out for revival in this country, O oh God. The country that you have called and you have elevated to the place where she is. Father, because of the history of this nation. But Lord, we stand in this place to cry out for America. May you save America. May you bring America to the place where you have called her to be, oh God. Father, we pray that you revive the values, oh God. You revive the establishment, Lord, upon the foundation upon which this great nation was built, oh God. Father, in the name of Jesus. May you stir up the church in America. Stir us up, oh God, as a church in America, Lord, to begin to cry out. For Lord, we do not want to see the desperate times. We pray that you will allow us to pray now. That Lord will usher in your presence and your power in our nation. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for everyone that is here today. I thank you, Jesus.